This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is Dr. Allison Kurt. And let me remind you about Allison's background. She played her college golf at Florida State, where she was a two-time academic All-American, earned degrees in psychology and professional golf management. She moved out to Palm Springs back in 2004, became a teaching professional. She has been named the Western Section Teacher of the Year in 2012, 15, 17, and 18. She is a PGA and LPGA Master Professional. She is one of only nine women to earn the PGA credential and one of only two women to earn the dual Master Professional status on both the PGA and LPGA sides. Golf Tip Magazine has named her one of the top 25 instructors, along with our good friend Tom Patrick, plus Cindy Miller and, and Brady Riggs. If all of that wasn't enough, she has twice been named Club Fitter of the Year, including last year by the Southern California PGA. She earned, earned her doctorate in clinical psychology with an emphasis in sports psychology. She still competes on the LPGA Tour from time to time, especially in the Women's PGA Championship. Last year, not only did she become the first woman, woman from Southern California to ever qualify for the PGA Professional Championship, on the men's side, she made the cut, and her second round 71 was one of the best rounds of the day. And to give you some perspective of how tough the conditions were that day, the average score in the second round of the guys who finished in the top 10 that week, they scored 72.3. Allison shot 71. And that's not all the great stuff she's accomplished so far. But if I continue to read through it, I'd just be able to say hello and goodbye. And oh, by the way, friends, she's accomplished all of that. And she's only 37 years old. And she's an amazing woman. And I'm very honored to have her back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Dr. Kurt. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, good evening. It's so great to hear your voice and chat with you again. It's certainly been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a minute, Allison. And, uh, you know, when I look over all the great things that you continue to achieve in and around the game of golf, I, I'm just I'm astounded by all the things that you're doing. Talk about I mean, you. it seems like you've got a thirst for not only learning, but for continuing to achieve and add to your resume. Talk about some of the things that you've done over the last year or so. It certainly is. And it's always interesting to hear how uh, people introduce me because it's sort of a reflection of like, wow, I got, I guess I have done quite a bit. You know, sometimes I'm just so tunnel vision and going, going, going. It's sort of refreshing to hear um, those acknowledgements. And so I thank you for that. That was a wonderful introduction. The past year has certainly been phenomenal. A lot of big things happening, but you know, I feel like every year I say that and I know you and I follow each other on social media and keep tabs on what's happening and uh, every year just keeps getting greater and greater. But this past year, a lot of interesting things in both the PGA and the LPGA and organizations that I'm both members of certainly had some, some great playing with uh, qualifying for the PGA National Championship and making the cut. That was really exciting. And I played in KPMG last year at Olympia Fields in Chicago. And at the later half of the year, took a leadership role in the LPGA Teaching and Club Pro division and ran with Marvel Bernard for president and vice president. And so Marvel was elected president and I was elected her vice president. So I've certainly stepped up my game when it comes to the leadership role within the LPGA Teaching and Club Pro division. Um, and this year is is starting off with a bang. Certainly 
excited to qualify and play at another KPMG. It'll be my sixth LPGA major. And I leave in about two weeks to head to Chaska, Minnesota for Hazelty National Golf Course. And I'm really excited about that, playing in that. And just, um, you know, running both of my businesses. So teaching full-time, helping golfers with their mental game. And then in the nighttime, working as a psychotherapist at my private practice and helping athletes um, achieve peak optimization and be the best version of themselves. So there's there's always something uh, a few weeks ahead, and there's always stuff in the past that I'm reflecting on and enjoying. So it's it's a really great time right now. And Allison, every one of the things you just talked about are full-time jobs, but you're doing all of them, you know, consecutively or concurrently. And, and, you know, how do you do it? How do you find the time? How do you stay focused and all of those things to be able to do all the things that normal people like me would have to spend 40 hours a week doing? (laughs) That's funny that you say that because last week at a tournament, I was sharing with another professional gosh, I'm feeling kind of bored right now. What am I going to learn? Like, what, should I go take a class? Should I try to do something new? Like, I need something to get my hands into. <laughs> but really, the motivation just comes from the feelings that I get when uh, when I achieve personally, whether that's through golf, whether that's through helping a student be their best, whether that's um, creating a new program in my section or trying to help change an organization so that they can serve the golf industry the best. I really just love the feeling of achievement. I love the feeling of contribution. And that service piece is very fulfilling for me. Um, How I find the time is really just managing. So I think that I really am pretty well engaged in a single task at one time, which a lot of people might call that being mindful. So when you just do one thing at one time, um, when I'm teaching, I'm only teaching. I'm not thinking about anything else on the face of the planet besides who's in front of me and how I can help them achieve their goals. And when I'm working with a client in my office, there's nothing else that exists besides that client on the couch and how I can help them reach their goals. And when I'm practicing on my own game, nothing else matters besides how I can help myself be the best version of me. And, you know, when I'm sitting down at emails and corresponding to different PGA and LPGA committees, that's my true focus. So I find the time by just truly being engaged. And I'm, I'm not really a big believer in multitasking where I've, you know, in the middle of an email and I'm also on a call and I'm thinking about something else and I'm watching TV. I don't really feel engaged in any one of those activities when I'm quote unquote multitasking. So I sort of take the approach that when I've got the task in front of me, I'm all in until it's completed. And Allison, you mentioned a moment ago the uh, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, which, uh, as you said, you're qualified for again. I mean, talk about the the preparation for that. How what's the status of your golf game, and how do you feel heading into another women's major? In years past, I would say here's what I would do to prepare. But after going five times, there's there's only so much that you can really do. I mean, because let's be honest, this is the biggest stage and women's golf is any one of the majors, whether it's last week's U.S. Open or the ANA or KPMG, it's the biggest stage. And as a teacher who is busting her butt, uh, trying to practice and help other people and serve an organization, it's tough to prepare and be at the top of my game because I'm not doing this for 60 hours a week. I'm not practicing 60 hours a week. 
Um, I'm doing a whole bunch of other things. So certainly when I'm practicing, I'm trying to put myself in a position of what will it feel like based on my previous experiences. And all I can do when I show up is just to know that I've prepared with the time that I have to enjoy the experience, not get caught up in the idea of, of being at that event, but just really being authentic to myself that um, I'm a good competitive player. I deserve to be there. I'm going to try to play my best. And when the experience is over, then I am going to come home and continue to enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, the best way for me to prepare is certainly getting the face time of just hitting balls and practicing and putting and chipping. Usually around this time, about two weeks out, I do a lot more playing on the golf course. Um, happy Women's Golf Day, by the way. And I was able to spend, right. um, spend 18 holes with one of my favorite college juniors on the golf course. And so we played 18 holes. So that was great practice for me, but also got to share the experience with her for Women's Golf Day. I go to Google Earth and I'll take a look at the golf course and just try to get a vibe for what I'm going to face um, when I'm there in a couple of weeks and then mentally prepare, just run myself through different scenarios and see myself perform and have confidence and enjoy, enjoy the moment. My family is going to be there with me. Uh, I've got a great caddy, one of my teammates from college who ironically, her name is Allison as well. Um, she's going to come out and caddy for me. So that will bring some good energy and just really excited for that. But in terms of preparation, I just can only do what I can do with the time that I have. And as you mentioned, today being Women's Golf Day, and I was curious to get your thought, what are some of the things that, that you're involved with or you're participating in, not just today, but really overall, but talking about how you're trying to help bring more women into the game of golf? Well, through the instructional side, there's always opportunities to create women's programs, and I'm certainly very involved at Wood Ranch Golf Club, where my home base is, trying to create programs for women um, that are specific to them and their level and using different teaching styles to match their level so that it's very enticing and fun for them to come out. Um, we've got a great group called the Pitch and Sip Group where they'll go out and they'll play, and then they're certainly sipping some wine after the round, and they always enjoy that social piece, but also trying to encourage young girls to get into the game through the LPGA, USGA Girls Golf Program. So as a host site at Wood Ranch Golf Club, I've created a couple of clinics to be held throughout the year where girls um, age 7 through 18 can come and, and get involved in the clinic. And not only is it golf, but also their social aspects and fun activities. Um, so those are just two examples through the instructional side. Um, but I've become involved with my local LPGA Amateur Association group through Los Angeles which is formerly the Executive Women's Golf Association, and working a lot individually with those players and, and helping them play better golf because it's way more fun to play golf when you're playing good golf. And that's the biggest encouragement to go back out and play is when, when you're playing well. So very involved with, with that group. I've certainly recently been involved on a speaking side um, with, a women's golf summit in Southern California that we had a couple of weeks ago. And we had a variety of different speakers from all different facets of the industry. And um, of course I was able to speak on the instructional side, but the women's golf summit had over a hundred women attend, really get excited about playing, really get excited about networking with other women golfers. And um, lastly, what was just shared today through Callaway 
is Callaway and I teamed up as um, been one of their longtime master staffers, and we put together a bunch of instructional content on social media, going through the bag driver all the way down through putter. And that was released today on Women's Golf Day for um, all golfers, not just women, all golfers, to get some tips to help them play better as well through their social media handles. Ah, that's awesome. And I, I wanted to get, get a couple of tips before we let you go. But before we get to that, I want to talk about a couple of other things. And Allison, it was it was almost a year ago that I was following you online at the PGA Professional Championship there in Seaside, California. And I knew you were going to play well. Something just told me that you were going to play well. You didn't get off to the greatest start. But you had one of the best rounds in the field in round two. Talk about the uh, what it was like being a part of that event. A really cool experience. I'm going to back up a little bit prior to the championship and talk about the qualification to get into that. Southern California yeah. is a beast of a section to get out of. We've got Michael Block, Kenny Pigman, a lot of fantastic players, Brian Smock. A lot of those gentlemen are playing in PGA Tour events many times throughout the year, up, upwards of, you know, six, five or six events a year. Those guys are good. And oftentimes to get out of our section, to qualify for the PGA National Championship, you've got to take three rounds under par. And my very last round, um, I fired a 66 and jumped up into a tie for third place. And that was so exhilarating, just a lot of fun, um, because I wasn't in the top 10, which we had 10 qualifying positions. I wasn't in the top 10 going into that day. But to fire a 66 and to secure a spot was just fantastic. So leading into... Wow being able to stay in California and go to the championship, um, be able to drive up there. was really neat. And I had a fantastic caddy lined up. And about a week before the event, um, she wasn't able to get off work. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going to what's going to happen now? I don't have my caddy. And this is all walking event. You know, it's like pretty, pretty true event where it's old school. You're walking and you need to have a caddy. And so I was able to have um a friend last minute carried the bag and just brought a lot of positive vibes. We had a great time getting on site. Everybody was super supportive. There was only two women in the field um, out of 370 some odd pros and everything from practice round to the first round, all the, all the male PGA players were just fantastic and very supportive. Susie Whaley came out and watched for a couple of holes. So it's always great to see her. She's a wonderful yes. leader and a great friend to uh, come out and support us and um, it was just a really cool experience. The golf course was tough and uh, certainly getting into the rough made things hard, but I have some great memories of some fantastic shots that just came off the face beautifully, landed close to the hole, made some putts and was able to make the cut. So really excited about that. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't have been you know more excited. To see you, you know, get through and, and make the cut and be a part of the weekend uh, in that golf tournament. So kudos to you for what it was like. And like I say, you know, when I looked at your second round compared to the guys that finished in the top 10, you beat them by better than a stroke. So that's some uh, that's some <laughs> great playing. Congratulations. Good for you. Thank you. Allison, I mentioned how you're one of two women who have reached master professional status on the PG and the LPGA side. But, you know, you are bridging gaps that people have never been able to do. You're forging new territory that no, nobody else has been able to get through. But it hasn't always been easy for you to do so. I was reading an article that you wrote for World uh, Golf World magazine earlier this year, and people didn't always embrace you. 
for being able to do the things that you're able to do and and uh weren't, weren't always so supportive of uh the things that you wanted to achieve in your golfing career talk about some of the struggles that you had to deal with along the way certainly that that article that came out was um a pretty true picture of what many women face if they're really involved in the PGA or just golf in general and women for the most part, have been a minority in this game. And when you're accomplished and you're trying to climb up the ladder um, and you're doing the best you can to be a leader and be successful, that's not always looked and supported with other professionals. Sometimes it can be quite a bit um, full of jealousy and create a toxic work environment. And so for me personally, my career really started off with a lot of success and had some wonderful mentors and some wonderful people encouraging me to find my niche in golf and I landed at a really great high-end private facility for a long time. Spent about seven years of my career there and it was just very toxic near the end where I could see that there was no way to continue climbing the ladder as a woman and to see males around me um, receive special benefits, uh, playing benefits, or to receive compensation, tips, different lessons, and just based on on gender. And the other women that I worked with felt very similar in that regard. And so it can be tough in certain work environments to be a successful woman because a lot of times there's only one. Um, A lot of clubs will just hire sort of that token female assistant or that female professional and it's very rare to have a club have several females or to have a female who's at an executive level, a director of golf or a GM. And um, so it hasn't always been easy. But one of the things that has been a savior for me is my membership within the PGA and the top, whether it's the executive directors or the staff at headquarters in Southern California, have always been so supportive. And this really comes down to in my section, Tom Addis and Jeff Johnson and Nikki Gatch, they have been the, the top three uh, cheerleaders and supporters of my career and many of our 100 female members in Southern California, which has just been fantastic. And really when I branched off on my own and started creating my own business and basically became my own boss, it's certainly way more easier to be successful because there's no competition. I'm just competing against myself. But in the in the workforce where you maybe have two or three other men who are vying for lessons um, or that are looking to maybe move into the head professional position, there certainly certainly seemed to be some jealousy and it was very difficult. But those experiences taught me very important values, uh, taught me how to manage difficult situations and made me the golf professional I am today. So although it was difficult to get through, certainly allowed me to be where I am today. Allison, I want to switch gears and I only got a couple of more minutes with you. So I wanted to get a couple of playing lessons for our listeners. And uh, in particular, one listener, my boy, Angelo Kane, that uh, um, from a pitch shot perspective, if we've got a wedge in our hands and for Ange, you get a wedge in his hands and his anxiety level goes through the roof because he's going to chili dip that shot three or four times when you're 5, 10, 15 yards off the green. How can we do a better job? of getting the ball close when we've got either a wedge or a sandwich in our hands, or maybe that's not even the right club to choose. But if you're five to 15 yards off the green, 
How do we do a better job of getting the ball close to the hole? Well, I certainly would like to look at the type of club selection because many players use high loft and a lot of bounce when they're close to the green just out of habit. And that oftentimes isn't the best. Sometimes a lower lofted club with less loft, like eight iron or seven iron, where you can make um, a resemblance of a putting stroke can oftentimes be a much more successful shot because you can keep the ball low and just let it roll to the hole. But there's certainly going to be those times where maybe you've got a patch of rough in between yourself and your landing area and you're pretty close to the green. So you need to use a high lofted wedge. And I think tempo is of utmost importance. If you have a player that brings the wedge back too quickly and then slows down in in order to compensate or brings the wedge back too slow and speeds up to compensate, that disruption and irregularity in tempo is a definite pitch shot killer. And a lot of times working with players, just getting their tempo more on track, whether it's using a metronome or I prefer to use blast technology, the sensor that can attach to the end of the putter, using sort of those kind of rhythm and beat setters, if you will, really gets the club moving in a pretty rhythmic fashion. And oftentimes the technique takes care of itself. So those would be my my two tips, if you will, is take a look at club selection and see if you can go lower and try to resemble more of a putting stroke. And then number two, really work on the rhythm and the tempo of the actual movement. And Allison, you've got a great tip for how to hit the ball out of a fairway bunker. Take us through that shot. How do we do that, do that more successfully without chunking it or blading it, you know, into the woods? So to get out of a fairway bunker, less is more. And what I mean by that is once you get your feet settled in the sand, you're really trying to limit how much the lower body is moving. So having a more centered approach with the lower body will allow the golf club to get more contact with the ball. Even just a slight shift moving over to the right-hand side can allow in the downswing the club to grab too much sand and then you just kind of fluff it out. Or spending too much of your pressure on the lead side of your body, you can hit more of the top of the ball and drive it kind of into the sand. So having the lower body really quiet down, that's where I'd say that less is more. Using more of an upper body or a belt up rotation back and through really allows the club to get more on the ball. And then certainly make sure that you grip down. So as much as your feet are digging into the sand, I sort of use that as my rule of thumb for how much I move my hands down the golf club. And that effectively allows the club to become a bit shortened. So you get more control out of those shots. So less is more when you're in the fairway bunker. Allison, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you on your website or on social media as well. Social media is the free marketing of our generation. So certainly on Instagram, Allison Kurt Golf, Facebook, YouTube, all with the same handle. Every once in a while, um, I'll throw out a tweet at Golf66Girl. But really, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube are my, my top three where I'll share content and different types of content on three of those different handles, whether it's longer videos on YouTube or short little 60-second stuff on Instagram. And then if you'd like to reach out for any mental coaching or physical lessons, heading to allisonkurtgolf.com has a pretty comprehensive section about my teaching philosophy, how to book a lesson, and where to find me. 
Allison, always great having you as part of the show. Thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come back and be a part of it. I hope you'll come back and join me again much sooner next time. Shame on me for waiting as long as I did to get you back as part of the show, but you're fantastic, and I wish you a ton of luck coming up here at the in the Women's uh, uh, PGA Championship and really look forward to following all the great things you're going to do the rest of the year. Thank you so much, and thanks so much for the invitation. And I have to say, um, echoing the, the first guest you had, you are just a huge cheerleader for all golf and all golf pros on social media. Every Sunday, my face just lights up with you recognizing myself and many of my wonderful colleagues in the organization, and um, you certainly share a lot of our content, and you're always cheering us on. So thank you so much of that. It's been great to build a friendship with you, even though we've never met in person. I feel like I know you just through our interviews and how much love and support you show um, all golf professionals in this industry. So thank you for that. And it's always an honor and a joy to be on your show. I appreciate you very much, Allison. Thank you very much for that. Best of luck. Take care. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. See you, Allison. That's Allison Kurt, C-U-R-D-T. Allison Kurt, I tell you, there's not a more talented instructor and there's not just a more wonderful person than Allison Kurt out there for anything that you need. And she does, you know, she does speaking engagements as well. So if you need help with your game, you need help with the psychology around the game, you need a, a keynote speaker, you, you just need someone to uh, sit and chat with about, you know, sports issues and that sort of thing. It's just, she's such a well-rounded individual and a, such a great instructor and a wonderful person. And I can't thank her enough for her time. Look forward to having Allison back on the show much sooner. I promise you folks, much sooner next time. 